turn in your Bibles to Ezra chapter 5. You know, we're, we're bouncing back and forth between the book of Ezra, which is a book of history, and the book of Haggai, which is a book of prophecy, because they're both about talking about the same event. We're looking at this time when God called the Jews who were in exile in Babylon to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And if you remember over the last couple of weeks, God first called them to do that. It's about the late 530s BC and they say yes and they go back and they, they start um, and then the government opposes them. They face opposition. They ultimately shut down and they don't do anything for another 15 to 17 years. And then God calls Haggai, we looked at that last week, the prophet, he comes, he preaches to them, and, and they start things up again. So now we're going to jump back into the history book, and we're going to read the history. What happened? What happened when they started obeying God again? So I'm going to read Ezra chapter 5 and 6. You can follow along with me. Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of, a descendant of Edo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. At that time, Tatanai, the governor of the trans-Euphrates, and Shethar Bozani and their associates went to them and asked, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and finish it? They also asked, what are the names of those who are constructing the building? But the eye of their God was over the elders of the Jews, and they were not stopped until a report could go to Darius, and his written reply was received. This is a copy of the letter that Tatanai, governor of the trans-Euphrates, and Shethar Bozani and their associates, the officials of the trans-Euphrates, sent to King Darius. The report they sent him read as follows. To King Darius, cordial greetings. The king should know that we went to the district of Judah, to the temple of the great God, the people are building it with large stones and placing the timbers in the walls. The work is being carried on with diligence and is making rapid progress under their direction. We questioned the elders and asked them, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? We also asked them their names so that we could write down the names of their leaders for your information. This is the answer they gave us. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago by one of... by a one that a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our ancestors angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldean, king of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and deported the people to Babylon. However, in the first year of, king, of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to rebuild this house to God. He even removed from the temple of Babylon the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to the temple in Babylon. Then King Cyrus gave them to a man named Shethbazar, whom he had appointed governor. And he told him, take these articles and go and deposit them in the temple in Jerusalem and rebuild the house of God on its site. So this Shethbazar came and laid the foundation of the house of God in Jerusalem. From that day to the present, it has been under construction, but it is not yet finished. Now, if it pleases the king, let a search be made in the royal archives of Babylon to see if King Cyrus did in fact issue a decree to rebuild this house of God in Jerusalem. Then let the king send us his decision in this matter. King Darius then issued an order, and they searched in the archives and stored in the treasury at Babylon. A scroll was found in the citadel of Ecbatana in the province of Media, and this was written on it. In the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present sacrifices, and let its foundations be laid. 
It is to be 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide, with three courses of large stone and one of timbers. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. Also, the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, are to be returned to their places in the temple in Jerusalem. They are to be deposited in the house of God. Now then, Tatanai, governor of the trans-Euphrates, and Shethar Bozani, and all you officials from that province, stay away from there. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on the site. Moreover, I hereby decree what you are to do for the elders of the Jews in construction of this house of God. Their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of the trans-Euphrates, so that the work will not stop. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil, as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given them daily without fail, so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. Furthermore, I decree that if anyone defies this edict, a beam is to be pulled from their house, and they are to be impaled on it. And for this crime, their house is to be made a pile of rubber, ru- rubble. May God, who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this decree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. Then, because of the decree King Darius had sent, Tatanai, governor of the trans-Euphrates, and Shethar Bozani and their associates carried it out with diligence. So the elders of the Jews continue to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, a descendant of Edo. They finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. For the dedication of this house of God, they offered 200 bulls, 200 rams, 400 male lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And they installed the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their groups for the service of God at Jerusalem, according to what is written in the book of Moses. Whew, good job. Oh, history, you know, it just, there's just so much of it out there. So we restart. We started this 15, 17 some odd years ago. We restart it again. Notice what happens. Exactly the same thing that happened 15 years ago. The government opposes them. People come and oppose them just like what happened 15 plus years ago. Only we're told in verse five that God's eye watches over them. The officials do not command them to stop They gather all the information, and then they send off this letter. Did you notice some of the things they said in the letter? I really liked verse 8. The people are building the temple with large stones and placing the timbers in the walls. Remember what Haggai had said to them. You need to go into the woods and get, get some wood so we can build the temple. And they've done it. They've gone. They've gotten the wood. They are building the temple. The work is being carried on with diligence and is making rapid progress in that direction. You know, why did they start back up? What has happened that they have cranked back up again? We know from what we read last week, what we read here, it's not because 17 years later they woke up one day and said, oh wow, we're supposed to be building the temple, aren't we? God told us to do that. I think we should do it. They're doing it because of what it says in verse one. God sent prophets. Haggai, whom we read last week, also Zechariah, which is also in your Bible if you want to read that as well. 
God sent prophets to him. And do you notice what verse two says the prophets are doing with them? The prophets of God were there supporting them. Now, I want you to imagine that you are in God's place, okay? That, That you have commanded something to be done. They faced opposition and they quit, and they never did anything else. Imagine you're in charge of a program. You're, you're in charge of a group at your work. You're going to make a big presentation on Monday morning to a client. And so you've had all these meetings. And Friday afternoon, everything's good. And one of the guys on your team, he's going to put together the PowerPoint for the presentation for Monday. And so he's got everything he needs. And you show up Monday morning and you turn to this guy and you're like, okay, is it on your computer? Have you got a thumb drive? How are we going to show the presentation? And he says to you, you know, my computer wouldn't, wouldn't boot Friday night. So I didn't do it. Are you okay with that? He's telling the truth. It's totally true. His computer did not boot Friday night. Are you okay with the fact that then he never did anything Saturday or Sunday? Never told anybody. Just he. I had a group project a couple of years ago in seminary. It was five of us. I was in charge of the group. It's a big final research paper for one of our classes. And so we've divvied out all the different parts and all the different research that needs to be done. And I've, it's due Monday at midnight. And I've told everybody, because I'm going to put it together, like you've got to have your stuff to me by Thursday evening. Okay, because because Friday is when I work on seminary stuff, and so and that'll give us time if we need to do any more work. And everybody's like, "Yep," and sure enough, everybody sends me everything they've got by Thursday evening. And so Friday, I'm working on it, I'm putting it together, and I realize one of the guys has not sent me any of his footnotes. There's a research paper. He's clearly done the research. He's written his section, but he hasn't sent any of the footnotes for it. And you've got this, you can't just claim things in a research paper. You, you got to show where you got the stuff from. So I write him back. I'm like, hey, I can't find your footnotes. Do I need to turn something on in Word? Uh, did you not send them? Like, can you send them to me? And he writes back to me and says, oh, I didn't do any footnotes. So, you know, Friday afternoon, I write him back. I'm like, well, that is part of the assignment, right? I mean, it says right here, you must have so many sources, so many primary sources, secondary. You got to have, like, part of the assignment for a research paper is footnotes. You've clearly done the research. Could you just go back and add the footnotes and send it to me as soon as possible? I'll put it all together. And he wrote me back that evening and said, I'm quite busy this weekend. I can't do it. (laughs) Wow, I'm really sorry. That must be so hard on you. I, I, I can't do it. I wasn't okay with that. Okay, I was not okay with him saying, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. It didn't work out for me. Like, like, whatever. These folks have done nothing for over 15 years. And God sends a prophet to them to encourage them? If you ask people about the God of the Old Testament, give me some adjectives for the God of the Old Testament. Wrathful, vengeful, angry. He's an angry God. So I read through the Bible every year. I encourage you all to read through the Bible every year. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, there's some on the counter on the back on your way out, right? There are, there are a handful of stories every year that I look at in the Bible and I'm like, wow, God, um, did you really need to do that? Like this seems like a bit of an overreaction, in my, on my part, on your part, Lord. I, it, there are a handful of stories every year that I think, seriously, God, what, what's up with that? Wow, there are hundreds of stories like this where God is not nearly as mad as I am. Like God 
underreacts compared to me 90 plus percent of the time, I would not be okay with this story. I would not be okay with like, well, you know, we had opposition, so we stopped. Okay, I totally get that. I mean, maybe they even put a guard at the temple to keep you from working there. But seriously, do you think there was still a guard there 10 years later? 15 plus years. They just stopped. That guy in my seminary class, right, when he wrote me and said, nope, I don't have time. I'm not going to do it. I just didn't write him back. Like, I mean, I just wrote him off, right? And absolutely, he will not ever be in another group that I'm in charge of. I was just done. I'm like, okay, if you can't be bothered. And I did his work for him. I went, I did the research. I put in the footnotes. I turned in the paper. I was not like God. I could have done what God did. I could have kept talking to him and encouraging him. Could have said, hey, I get it. I'm, you know, you're busy. I'm busy. I got that. What can you do? Like, we have to do this. What can you Could you send me your research? Could you send me, you know, did you highlight things? We all use the same computer program. And so did, did you highlight stuff? You could share the highlights with me. Like that was it, you know, you failed. What is it Darth Vader says? You failed me for the last time, right? Well, he failed me once and that was it. That was the last time I, we, we were all, I, I was done. Wow. There are a handful of stories where God overreacts. There are hundreds of stories where, in my opinion, God desperately underreacts. He should have come down. If it were me, they took the cedar that was supposed to go in my house and used it to panel their houses. If I was having, I would have Haggai stand up and say, quick, look to your houses. Do you see those flames coming out of the window? That's my cedar. Since you wouldn't use it as I told you to, every house would spontaneously combust. All, everything, it would all burn, all the wood, down to the ground. God sends a prophet to be like, guys, come on, we can do this. Just go get some wood. It doesn't have to be cedar. Just go in the hills and get some wood. Let's build the temple. All the stuff that's going wrong in your life right now, that's because you're not obeying, but, but you can. God sends prophets to support and encourage them because that's what he's like. That's what he wants. That's what he cares about. Now, I want you to flip that story. Like I asked you, put yourself in God's position, right? Now, flip it around. Have you ever been in the position that, that the Jewish leaders were in? God called you to do something. Like you, you, you think, oh, yeah, God told me to do this. I should do this. And it didn't go well. Like, like there were problems, there was opposition, maybe even it just, got, it just got shut down. You didn't have any choice. Like literally, you know, they put a guard around the temple or something. I don't know about you, but for me, when that happens, what starts going through my mind is, did God really tell me to do that? Because I know this is silly, but something inside me thinks that if God has told me to do something, then it should be easy. It should happen. You know, if God calls me to run for mayor, then of course I'm going to win. Everyone's going to vote for me. It's going to be unanimous. All the other people are going to drop out. Everyone's going to love me. God wouldn't call me to do something. And then it would get blocked. And again, intellectually, I know that's ridiculous. But I still feel it. And I bet you do too. God calls you to do something. You start it. You try it. And you get stopped. You get opposed. It's hard. It's difficult. And what does God call us to do at those times to keep obeying 
Like these guys, they obeyed 15 years ago. They faced opposition and they stopped. It never happened. This time, 15, 16, 17, some odd years later, they obey again. And what happens? They face opposition. Like there's opposition either way. In this story, they will eventually succeed, as we'll talk about. The first time they failed and the second time they succeed. But they are opposed both times. Like that is the constant Just because God is in something or commands something does not mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're going to sail through. It doesn't mean I'm going to get elected mayor unanimously. It might mean I don't even get elected mayor. That, when God calls you, I told you that first week, just because God calls you to something doesn't mean he's promising you you're going to succeed. He promises he'll bless you. If God calls us to things and we face opposition, Our attitude ought to be, yep, that is so totally, totally normal. These guys, I mean, can you, have you ever had a government official or a police officer walk up to you and say, what are you doing? Do you have a permit for that? Who's in charge? Give me your name. I need to write this down. Like, that's a scary thing. They had the governor, okay, For us, the Bible, right? Jerusalem is a huge deal, right? In the Persian Empire, Jerusalem is not the end of the world, but you can definitely see the end of the world from there. It is the middle of nowhere. Like, the only thing Jerusalem is good for is a place to water your horses on your way to Egypt. There's no resources. There's no nothing. It is a backwater in the Persian Empire. The governor shows up. The governor of the Trans-Euphrates, that's an entire province, shows up with his officials and says, what are you doing? Who told you you could do this? That is hardcore. He doesn't just send somebody. He comes to check it out himself. And they tell him. And they keep working. You know, I wonder if they could have done that 15 years ago. We don't know. It just says in in Ezra 4 that people bribed the government officials to work against the Jews and frustrate their plans. I'm giving them a benefit of the doubt, saying I think they got shut down. I think they got forcibly stopped. But we don't actually know. We do know here, they tell, I mean, we have their letter. They tell them, like, this is why we're doing it. Cyrus, who is one of uh, Darius's predecessors. Cyrus gave us permission. This was the guy who was governor at the time. This is what he said. But notice they don't have the decree. Like they don't roll out a copy to the guy and say, here, look, here it is stamped and signed and sealed. He's got to send back to get it checked. They find it. They find the decree that the emperor made saying the Jews could go back. And, and what happens? Darius, the king of Persia, sends back a response to the governor. He tells him four things. First thing he tells him is, let him build it. Don't bother him, right? This is fine. Let it happen. To me, that's like the good ending of the story. They send off. They find it. He comes back. He's like, yes, let them build it. Yay! But you know, Ephesians says God does more than we expect or even imagine, Right, Everything after point number one in my book is into the, or even imagine, because I never imagine this isn't going to happen. Two, he tells the governor, you will pay them to build it. You'll pay all their expenses. 
You'll pay the materials, you'll pay the people, the stonecutters, you, the treasury of the trans-Euphrates. He's the governor of that province. The province is gonna pay to build that temple. Three, you will pay to maintain that temple. Whatever they need every day. Goats, lambs, sheep. I mean, look at his list. Bulls, rams, lambs for burnt offering, wheat, salt, wine, olive oil. Whatever the priests say they need daily, you will provide that for them. Four, you will execute anyone who gets in their way. You won't just allow them to do it. You will pay for it. You will maintain it, and you will police it and make sure no one gives them any trouble. And why did they get all that? Imagine that God had put a little bubble of invisibility around Jerusalem so that nobody noticed anything they were doing. He called them to obey, they start to obey, and he prevents any opposition. Nobody knows they are there. What would have happened? They would have built the temple. They would have paid for it themselves. They would have gone on, and presumably they want to do what's right. They would have followed the law of Moses, which has every single day there's offerings to be made. Every week there's offerings to be made. Every month there's offerings to be made. They would have paid for all of that themselves. And if anyone had realized what they were doing, then they would have had to defend it themselves. Because they faced opposition, Because the governor came and checked up, because somebody came to them and said, what are you doing? Who gave you permission? Do you have a permit for that? Who's in charge here? I want their names. Because somebody came and grilled them. Look at everything they got. But they got it because of the opposition. It didn't just magically show up. I mean, it it takes about two months to get from Jerusalem all the way back. It's a, it's a crescent. You can't go across. It's a desert. You go all the way up and all the way back down to Babylon. And then they got to go out to Ekbatana and find it. There's three palaces in the Persian Empire. They don't find it in the Babylonian palace. They find it in the Median palace. So they're searching. And then the message comes all the way back. This could be six months. It could be longer. And that whole time, if you're one of these Jewish guys working, you're wondering what's going to happen. Because this is the governor. He can send soldiers to knock down everything you've built if he decides to. Every day, you're wondering and you're obeying. The work is proceeding rapidly. They're doing it with diligence, the governor wrote back to the king. Every day, you've got to get up and obey. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if if the governor's going to show back up and shut you down, knock the stuff down, put you in jail. You just get up every day and you obey. And because they get up every day and obey, because they are opposed by the government and they go through this whole big process. The Persians, okay, these people do not worship the God of the Jews. The Persian empire pays to rebuild the temple. The Persian empire pays for all of the sacrifices that they need to make. The Persian empire pays to protect the temple. And all that happened because of the opposition. The opposition ends up, it's a good thing. It is part of God's good plan to take care of them. But of course, you never know that when it first happened, when the cop shows up and says, what are you doing? Who's in charge here? None of that feels like that's God's good plan for you. But look what happens. 
mean, this is so clearly the hand of God, this chain of events. All this good stuff comes about because they face opposition. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been in a case where you felt like God was telling you to do something and you stepped out and you tried it and it didn't go very well? It didn't work. How'd you respond? Did you do what they did 15, 16, 17 years ago? Did you just quit? I mean, let's take Terrell's example. Look, I mean, he teed it up for me, right? I have to use it. Terrell is taking a missions trip somewhere and you're like, and you, you sense God saying, I should do that. Yeah, and so you go to the little informational meeting. Ah, the week he's going, it's not a good week. You know, there's other stuff going on. Ah, you have to raise support. I don't really want to raise support. I mean, I thought maybe the church would pay for it or, you know, something like, or Terrell would pay for it or something. There's, there's opposition. There's all these things that come up. What do you do? Do you say, ah, it's just not, just not going to work this time. Thanks anyway. Or do you say, well, I think God's told me to do this. So I guess God's going to have to figure all this stuff out, isn't he? If it's a bad week, God's going to have to figure out how to make that week work. If I got to raise support, God's going to have to raise support. Like if God is calling you to something, then he will provide. Who in their right mind thought this is how he would provide? that he would provide by having the government come and oppose them, send off a letter, and have the emperor himself write back and say, stop messing with them and pay them to do this work. Brothers and sisters, we never see that. You never see that out. We never think that. When something happens and we face opposition, we never think, oh, wow, I wonder what God's going to do with this. I wonder if this means God's going to pay for everything, just like he did with the Persians. We face opposition, and we think, oh, well, that's it. What can we do? Has this happened to you? Is there anywhere in your life where God called you to something, and you tried for a little while, and it didn't work, and it was hard, and there were problems, and you said, well, nope, that can't have been God. If it was God, there wouldn't have been problems. If it was God, it all would have worked out easily the first time. Wow. Maybe God was trying to get the Persians to pay for it, and you didn't wait long enough. If God is sovereign over the whole planet, the universe, all of time and space, then he is in charge of what happens when you obey. And he is in charge of providing what you need in order to obey him. But he will not make you. He will not force you to go out every day and lift those stones and stack them and cut that timber and whatever is required of obedience. Wow, he'll provide the stuff. He'll, he will provide what you cannot do yourself, but he will not make you. Is there anywhere in your life where God has called you to something and it was hard, and so you quit. And you just said, well, I can't do that, or that's not God, or whatever. Maybe it is. Maybe he's setting up for the Persians to pay for everything for you. But you gotta walk through those steps to get there. You can't quit ahead of time. 
there anything you know the Lord's called you to? It just, it, it didn't go well. It didn't work. It wasn't all that you hoped it would be. You know, expectations. We, we, we have our expectations of how it will go. And wow, it did not meet your expectations. But you know he called you to it. Then you try again. Then you get out there and you go again. And yep, they, they, again, maybe they were forcibly stopped from working. Maybe they had to let it lie fallow for a couple of years. And then you get out and you try again. Is there anywhere you quit trying? Anything you know the Lord's called you to, but you're not doing it because it was hard. Again, I'm not arguing that part. I absolutely agree. It could have been very hard, very painful, very difficult. But if you know the Lord has called you to it, then keep going because he's got a plan. He's doing something. You just got to keep walking into that. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask God to speak to you because obviously I don't know. I don't know if there's things God's called you to that you've said no to, that you've walked away to. You know, you ever heard that expression, the carrot and the stick? You know, the two ways to get the donkey to move. One is to beat him with the stick. The other is to hold a carrot in front of him. Last week on obedience, that was kind of the stick sermon. You know, kind of the, wow, you need to stop doing that. Wow, there's going to be problems if you want. This week, this is the carrot sermon. This is the good one. This is like, hey, just... Just keep trying, you know? Sure, they're talking to you. You're not sure how this is gonna work. You don't know what's gonna happen. You know what? Just keep stacking the bricks. Just keep cutting the lumber. Let God worry about the Persian Empire. These guys have zero control over the Persian Empire. They don't need to. God has 100% control over everything. God has 100% control over the emperor, every governor, everything. Just keep stacking those bricks. And see what God does with all of that. Because maybe he's setting up to make the Persians pay for everything. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you. I mean, th- thank you that, that you are in charge of all of this. That, that, these, that these guys don't obey you for, wow, a long time. And you are generous and you are kind. You discipline them and you send guys to encourage them. And when they start working again... You have this incredible plan to supply everything they're going to need. Thank you. Thank you that you're like that. Thank you that you're kind and generous. Yeah, thank you, Lord, that you, wow, you do not get nearly as upset about things as I do. I would not be nearly as generous as you are over and over and over again in the scriptures. Thank you. I am really glad that you are God and I am not. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray for us because I know there are things you have called me to and they have been hard and they have been painful and there have been just terrible, devastating consequences. And yet I know you've called me to them. And I'm sure that is true for some of my brothers and sisters, that they have walked away from things that you have called them to. And so, Jesus, I pray in your generosity and your kindness that you would do for us just what like you did for your children here. You would encourage us. You would send people to build us back up just like you called Zechariah and you called Haggai to go and support the people to obey you. Lord, send, send people. Speak to us. Work in us. Even when we face opposition and obedience. And I, I know we will. It's all over the scriptures. 
Lord, be gracious to us. Remember what the scriptures say. Remember that we're dust. Be gracious to us. Encourage us, Lord. Build us back up to any of us who have walked away from something you told us to do. Lord, give us courage to walk back. Give us courage to start stacking the bricks back up again. Give us courage to go cut down the lumber. Whatever it is you've called us to do that was hard and didn't work before, give us courage to step back and do it again. Encourage us, Jesus. Put courage into us. Send people to us. Be gracious to us. We want to obey because, wow, wow, your plan is so good. You have a plan for the Persian Empire to pay for everything. But they have to keep obeying through all those months until they get there. Jesus, help us to be people like that, people who just keep obeying until we see how your plan is going to unfold. We pray this in your name, Jesus, always in your name. You are our God and we are your people. Amen. Two weeks before Elvis Presley died, he confided in his cousin that at age 15, God had called him to be a pastor. He knew it, he felt it, he was certain of it. It had happened in a church service. He knew that God had called him to be a pastor and he disobeyed. He wanted something else out of life. I want you to ruminate for a moment about what God would have done with a guy like Elvis in the pastorate. So we're gonna end our time as we always do, reminding ourselves of God's goodness to us, of what Jesus has done, that Jesus is our model for obedience. He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done. Wow, you wanna talk about being asked to do something and the consequences being devastating. Jesus, part of the Godhead, is disconnected from his father. All our sins are put upon him. As the creed says, he was crucified, buried, died, was buried, descended into hell. Because he obeyed for us. We remind ourselves each week of that. So as always, in all four corners, there are stations with the bread and the cup. There's a station down here that has gluten-free if you need it. I'm gonna pray for us. And then after I've prayed, get up and go to whichever station you like. Get the bread, get the cup, bring it back to your seat. I'll lead us and we'll take it together this morning. So pray with me again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are our example of obedience. You are not calling us to obey and standing off on the side. You are not calling us to anything you did not do as well. You obeyed your father. Scripture says, for the joy set before you, you endured the cross, you scorned its shame. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We remember. Holy Spirit, we pray now. We pray that you would remind us, remind us as we remember of what Jesus our Lord has done for us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.